0: Let's just, let's just pray before we get into the word. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the way your word changes us. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that Lord, as every seed is sown from your word this morning, Lord, that it will fall, fall on fertile soil. Lord, our hearts will be fertile soil. Lord, God, we don't want the word to be snatched away. We don't want the cares of life to, to choke it. One of those other things, Lord, you talked about. Lord, we want it to, our hearts to be fertile soil this morning. And I pray it will produce a harvest 30, 60, 100 times, Lord, what was sown. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. 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 So we continue to talk about running our best lap. We're still, we're still going with this. <laughs> I haven't finished yet. It's coming towards an end, but not our race, obviously. Our race, race keeps going. Our race is not coming towards the end. The series is coming towards an end. But we continue to talk about running our best lap. It was great last week to have Elna Jabayev last week. It was brilliant, wasn't it? Jabayev, I think it was. Jabayev. Um, it was great to have Elna with us last week. Who was here last week? Cool. most of you okay so if you weren't here last week i'd encourage you to catch up on the message you can get it on spotify let go to family church waterside um there you'll find it and all you can find it on the website family.church um but i'd really encourage you to catch up with it if you if you weren't here last week it was just a great message he was talking about what all he does with the persecuted church in um, eastern eastern europe and the ex-soviet soviet countries um in that area it was, it was awesome. But that was great. But we're going to talk this morning, just continue about talking about running our best lap yet. So, our key verse, key scripture, has been Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. And there's still some more stuff to extract out of this. It's amazing how much you can get out just out of a couple of verses, isn't it? That's what's so amazing about the Word of God, isn't it? It doesn't matter how, how long you've been a Christian, how much you've studied the Word of God. There's always more. Anyone discovered that? There's always more that you can learn. There's always more you can understand. Uh, there's, always, there's always more you have to discover about who God is and, and our relationship with him. And the word of God is just amazing. Isn't it It's living It's living and, and breathing. It's not, it's not a dry book. It's not a history book. There's historical things in it, of course. But it's not just a dry history book. It's a living, breathing word of God. It's, it's, and it's God-breathed. Amen? It changes our lives. So I want to look at Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2. And, but I'm going to read it from the Amplified uh, Bible this morning. Um, and the Amplified Bible just kind of really brings the kind of word of God to life and explains more about what the, what the original meanings said. Okay, so Hebrews 12 verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight and a sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing, focusing focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority and the completion of his work. Amen. So... So that's the same verses we've been looking at, but just in the amplified, because it just kind of just explains a bit more about what has being said there and the thoughts behind it. So we've been talking about a life being a journey, and and we're on we're on a race, on a race for God, and God has a race set out for us, and our whole kind of vision for the year as a church has been about running our best lap yet for God, making twenty twenty two. I mean, nearly come up to halfway through the, the year soon aren't we? It's gone going incredibly quick, isn't it, <laughs> this year, as it always does. Um, but run, making 2022 our best lap yet for God, well, regardless of what's gone before, it's been good, bad, or somewhere in the middle, um, but making this year our best lap yet, amen, and accomplishing all that God desires to do in us and through us, through us uh, this, this year. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago, we looked at perseverance, and as we just read there, it talks about running with, with endurance or persistence or, or perseverance, and a, just the power of just keeping on going. There's so much power, power in that, and it can be a big lesson for us as Christians, just to keep on going. Don't, don't give up. Just keep on doing what God's asked you to do, and just keep on doing it. Don't, Don't give up. Don't, don't, don't stop doing it. There's so much power in just persevering, amen, and, and endurance. And we looked at the story of Joseph, if you remember, a couple of weeks ago. And, and we looked at different things. That we kind of drew out three different points, just to kind of give you a brief, very brief summary of it. There's a perseverance It refers to continuing in spite of difficulty and lack of success. So when you don't face success or everything doesn't work out exactly how you think or things feel difficult, just keep on going. Amen? Regardless. And we looked at how the, the original Greek word that's used that can be translated perseverance, endurance or patience. So endurance is experiencing or surviving pain or hardship. So Joseph had to go through a whole lot of situations where he, survived, where he faced pain and hardship but he survived them through the power of God and he endured through it all. And then patience can be defined as the ability to accept delay or trouble calmly. You know, in our life, trouble trouble will come. Okay, I'm not preaching negatively or, or prophesying negatively over this morning. It's just, it's just a reality. Jesus himself said, in this world you will have trouble, right? That's what Jesus said. He said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Or take heart, it can be translated as just have courage because I have overcome the world. So... To delay, to kind of delay to things we believe in God for. There might be delays sometimes, or, or there can be trouble in our lives. But patience is—it's can be defined as just the ability to accept that in God, but just keep on trusting Him through it all. Amen. Faith and patience are so so key. How they work together. because what we looked at a couple of weeks ago: patience, endurance, perseverance. Just keep on going in God. Keep on going. Keep on persevering. Don't give. Don't give up. Amen. There's there's just so much, so much power uh, in that. If we can, if we can just learn learn that lesson, and and Jesus was just a just a master at that as he was with everything. Just keep it on and going. Not getting distracted. Not let let other people kind of like uh, you know take focus of what he was supposed to be doing. But just kept on going. Other people did what they wanted to do. Other people would try and kill him. They tried to throw him off cliffs. They were trying to distract him. His own, fat, his own disciples didn't understand um, kind of what Jesus was going to do when he said he was going to die and rise again. They, they were clueless about what he was talking about. And the religious leaders should have understood who Jesus was. They wanted him dead. And, and a lot of that came out of jealousy because of all the miracles he was, he was doing. And they were obsessed with rules and regulations and not relationship. And, you know, all that kind of stuff Jesus faced, but he just kept on going. He wouldn't, he wouldn't get distracted to the left or, or to the right. And that's what was amazing um, about Jesus in, in so many ways. What I want to look at particularly uh, this morning is this. I want to look at verse 2. So let's run with endurance and active persistence. If you you could put the one back up. That would be great. Thank you. Verse 2 where it says this. So as we're running our race, we just talked about Jesus not getting distracted, looking away from all that will distract us, focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and one who brings our faith to maturity. So what I want to talk about this morning is keeping our eyes on Jesus. It's two weeks ago about keep on going, but this morning let's keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Now the Greek word is as you know that I'm sure you know the, the New Testament is written in Greek. That's a common written language at the time. It's not like modern Greek, it's like ancient, you know, if you're Greek, a Greek person today you wouldn't necessarily be able to read it. Okay? It's like ancient English. You know, like Shakespeare in English, we can't make head or tail of what, what it's talking about, can we? And that's only like 400 years old. This is like 2,000 years old Greek. Okay, so it's very different to modern Greek. Okay, but it's written in ancient Greek. So sometimes it's worth looking at those words to see what they kind of, kind of mean, because English doesn't always do it justice. So the Greek word there is aphoreo, aphorao, A-P-H-O-R-A-O. And, and the kind of the amplifier kind of brings it to life, because it literally means to turn your eyes away from other things and fix them onto something. Okay, so turn your, way, turn your eyes away from other things and, and fix them onto something. So this is what's saying by the right the of Hebrews: turn away from everything else, don't look at everything else, but focus on Jesus. Stop looking at other things, you know, other things that we can look, at, look for for our hope or look for for, for solutions. That you aren't going to find your hope and solutions in those things. Amen. You're only going to find your, 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 your hope and your solutions in, in Jesus. Amen. And He's the author awesome and perfect of our faith, and we'll talk about that uh, in, a, in a second. You know, I have an interesting relationship with social media. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what your, thoughts on, on, um, what your thoughts on social media are. I was talking to Elisa about it this week. She's doing A-level product, product design, and it's just about to do her exams. The first exam she's ever done, because her has got cancelled, because <laughs> of COVID two years ago, so it's kind of a, that's an interesting challenge for her. But anyway, um, so she's doing A-level product design exams in a couple of weeks. And anyway, so one, one thing they kind of do in this past paper, and one of the things that kind of came up was talking about products, products that have been designed and whether they're actually beneficial for us as, as, as human race. Um, they're kind to of break great products, but are they actually that beneficial? Or, and kind of like debate that and discuss that. Um, and that was kind of like one of the questions from a, from a past exam paper. And one of these things was mobile phones. And mobile phones, they're incredible devices, aren't they? These these things, smartphones, are amazing uh, amazing things, invented around two thousand and six, I think, this first smartphone was, and kind of like just revolutionised the world in the last sixteen, in the last um, sixteen years. They say there's more technology in this than there was, you know, in Apollo eleven that sent sent man to the moon. I mean, that's just it's, it's impossible to even get your head around <laughs> that reality, isn't it? But that's what they say about it. So, you know, they really have changed the world. But have they changed the world in a good way? <laughs> if they changed the world for the better, I think that's debatable. Um, and I think when it comes to social media, I think that's particularly true. And I'm not anti-social media, so don't like take this away. Oh, Paul hates Facebook or Instagram, whatever. Okay, because <laughs> I do use them sometimes. Okay, but I have, an, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with social media. I'll be honest. Because there are great aspects to it, it's a great way of connecting, it's great to be able to connect with people um, all around the world, my brother lives in Hong Kong, my sister lives in Wales, and I've got some cousins who live in Brazil, you know, and it's great to be able to, you can instantly connect. You kind of think that to the old days where you had to literally write to each other, it just seems so archaic now, <laughs> doesn't it? Just, just, just seems ridiculous. I was explaining to my kids about, um, just, just kind of how dating used to work, um, I'm not that old, I suppose at 46, but how dating used to work, but like pre-phones, even when I got married in 98, text, texting still didn't exist when I got, when I got married, so you're yeah, kind of pre-that, pre explaining to me about my first girlfriend and how we, which I think I was 14, then in 1990, and how we, thank you, <laughs> okay. and it wasn't, it wasn't Wendy, it was another girlfriend, okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know Wendy, um, anyway, so, and how we literally used to write to each other, and they just couldn't get, they couldn't get their head around this. The prince was just right as in literally writing physical letters to each other. They just could not grasp this. Grasp it was well, like, well, it's the only way you could. Unless You wanted to just have a relationship with their parents and ring them up, which means their parents would answer, because it was the only way you could speak to them, right? And they would overhear all the conversations anyway. Um, so the only way you could kind of say what you wanted to say was, was a physical letter. I mean, it sounds like, a, like something from Pride and Prejudice now, doesn't it? Or some kind of <laughs> archaic, like Jane Austen novels, like I've got to you know, write to my cousin in London or something. I mean, it just seems so archaic, doesn't it? But that was just a reality, wasn't it? That's what we did, right? Anyway, but so, so, social media has been great in be able to connect with someone. When I used to write to my cousins who live in Brazil. It used to take five days for letters to get. there. It still would and it still would take five days. it hasn 't changed. Um, it, it takes about two days, I think, to get there on an airplane, and about three days because they're kind of right out in the sticks in northeast Brazil. It takes about another three days for, it to, for them to get there. so it 's amazing the way it 's kind of connected the world. But, I can't, like I said, I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with social media because not all of it is good and there's a lot of stuff you deal with. And If you talk to Wendy as a teacher, in schools it causes all sorts of issues and lots of schools have banned phones now. Um, they've kind of seen the light <laughs> on this issue. The only way we're going to resolve these issues is to, is to ban phones. Um, Wendy's got this app as she was telling me about this. This is what teachers have to have these days. She's got an app um, or, or kind of a notification kind of set up on her phone that kind of scans kids' phones if they're looking at inappropriate stuff in lessons. She knows as, as a teacher, it can scan their mobile networks. Obviously, they won't get it on the school's Wi-Fi; 'cause it'll be blocked anyway. But on their mo- on their kind of even if they're on their own network, then teachers become aware that they're looking at stuff that's inappropriate. So There's all stuff that teachers can to do these days. This is just reality reality of 2022. It's crazy. Anyway, so what I want to say about social media is, is, is the thing with social media is so often it's all about looking at me. It's all about us. It's all about, it's all about selfishness or about, about self. You know, the very thing of calling it a selfie, isn't it? You know, when they started inventing smartphones with cameras at the front it was, so you could take photos of yourself. It's, all, it's literally called a selfie. It's all about self. And, and, and I've talked to my kids lots about this. And I know this is particularly true amongst girls, I guess, where, where image is so much of an issue. Or more of an issue that is for boys, maybe. Um, Talked to Elise about that a lot. Um, you know, especially on things like Instagram. That's kind of like the biggest thing amongst kind of Elise's generation, like 18 years old is kind of Instagram, maybe Snapchat a little bit, and TikTok is more younger kids. I'm, just, I'm learning all that I'm learning all the stuff. <laughs> okay, you may not know what any of those mean, and that's fine. Okay, but anyway, there's so much of it, and and so often they will spend ages kind of what's called curating photos. So like say so they go to like go to a beach or something, go to like some amazing beach somewhere and they literally will take like fifty photos of themselves. And then they'll go through those fifty photos, this is what celebrities often do, and but even just general members of the public will do and go take fifty photos and then go through them all and go, oh, which is the best one, which is the one I can put on Instagram and then so often and often when they spend all that time going through that and curating this photo, then they'll stick a filter on it anyways. There's nothing like what it actually looked like. You know, it could have been dark and it now looks like day. It could have been a cloudy day, it's now sunny. Um, and they look totally different and their face looks different and there's like a million filters uh, running through it all. And the whole thing is about looking at me, looking at, looking at the person, about, about image and about, about what it looks like. So social media is so much as... It's got a bit of a digression now, okay, but it's all relevant to the message. Okay, social media is about looking at me. It's the same with just celebrities generally. Isn't it? It's about look at me, whether it's movie, movie, movie stars or um, you know, singers. It's about, about look at me, look what I can do. You know, we take someone like footballers, and I like football, but, but footballers, again, it's like look at me. When, when, when they score a goal and that kind of whole euphoria that, they, that there is when they score a goal and you know, tens of thousands of people kind of celebrating with them, it's about look at me and they do the kind of the big celebrations. It's like look at me, look what I've done, look what I've achieved. I've done, I've done this for you. You know, but as Christians, we need to get beyond that. So social media is going kind to of look at me, celebrities look at me, sports stars and footballers look at me. But I want to look at John the Baptist. And what John the Baptist says, he says well, whatever you do, don't look at me. Look at him. You know, and This is the big difference. John 3, verse 38 to 30, when it talks about, talks about John the Baptist, it says this. John says, you yourselves can testify that I said I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. is now going to play. He must become greater. I must become less. John the Baptist, who is, if you kind of put it in this way, he's almost like the warm-up warm up act for Jesus, isn't he? That's basically, that was like John's job. <laughs> Jesus is coming, and Jesus is coming. You've basically got to kind of kind of like warm up the crowd and start talking about repenting and being baptized and introducing who Jesus is. Okay? That's that kind of like John's job, isn't it? And... But then Jesus comes along and, and John's like, I must decrease. He must increase. It, it's not about me. In this, this world where everything is about self and about individuals, and John the Baptist was, obviously he wasn't in that, in that same culture that we're in now, but he's just making the point of, I must become less. It's not about me. Don't look at me. Whatever you do, don't look at me. Look at him. This is where your eyes need to be focused. This is what Hebrews twelve two is encouraging us to do, to focus our eyes on Jesus, not on anything else. There's so many lessons for us in that. You know, just, what John said is still true in our lives. Everything that's of self, everything that's of us, it must become less. If we're going to be effective Christians, if we're going to be all that God desires us to be, if God's going to change us and mould us and, and train us, I'm sure we all desire that. We, uh, hopefully this isn't bad news for this morning, but it's just a reality that we must become less. That part of self of us, it must become less. He must increase and we must decrease. John, John says this again, this is in John, this is a couple of uh, chapters before John 1, verses 29, 29. Verse Verse 29 to 34 says this. The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look. Remember John's whole thing is don't look at me, look at him. He said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I was talking about. This is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave his testimony. I saw the Spirit, of, saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize the water told me. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who was baptized with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one, or Messiah. Because Messiah, that's what Messiah literally means. is uh, Messiah um, in Hebrew or Christ in Greek so It means the same thing. It means God's, God's chosen one. Yeah. I testify that this is God's chosen one. So this was what John was making the point. Whatever you do, don't look at me. I'm just kind of like the warm-up act, it's, it, it, it's not about me, it's about him. It's about here he comes, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He, he, John's making the point, he's already surpassed me. Amen? So John's whole job was to point towards Jesus. You know, and you see this, you see this again and again throughout the New Testament, this point being made. Even, even Paul, Paul talks about people following him, but he said, follow me as I follow Christ. It's like well, if you're going to look, at, look to me, ultimately you're only looking to Jesus anyway. You know, follow me as I, I follow Christ, or some translations say, imitate me as I, as, as I imitate Christ. So it's still about pointing towards Jesus because we do have leaders and, and you know leaders and pastors and all those things that are, are good, but it still should be about pointing towards Jesus. Absolutely, amen. That's where our focus needs. To be, you know, that's our, our that's our job as pastors. Just kind of a little digression, but it's important to say, you know, the word the word pastor it literally means shepherd. That's what, it's what it literally literally means. It could just be translated as shepherd, but there's a, kind of a word for it, pastor. Yeah, you know, and our role as as shepherds for for me, my role as a pastor is to point you towards the great shepherd. That is my role. It's kind of it's kind of sim- <laughs> That's how I kind of simply see my role as a pastor, as as a shepherd. Now, I'm not the shepherd, I'm a shepherd, but my job as a shepherd is to point you towards the shepherd. Does that make sense? That's, that's my role. That's what a pastor does. I'm a shepherd, I'm certainly not the shepherd. We're not, we're not trying to be priests. We're, not, we're not, Catholic, not knocking Catholicism here, but we're not Catholic priests. You know, we're not, we're not, immediate, pastors are not a mediator between you and God. That's not how it works. Jesus is the mediator between us and God. Amen? Amen. But as a pastor, our, our job is to help you as, as shepherds you know, to point you towards the great shepherd. Now, myself and Wendy, we, we can't solve your problems. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's true. Okay, and I don't mean we won't meet with you, we won't chat with you and pray with you and all those things. Because absolutely, Of course we will, because that's part of shepherding, right? But ultimately, our goal, again, is to point you towards the shepherd. It's the shepherd, the great shepherd, Jesus, who's going to help solve your problems. He's going to help you through. He's, I can't give you peace. I can't give you love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness. That's the fruit of the spirit, right? I can't give you any of those things. I'll certainly help you and guide you. But... Ultimately, a guidance is to be about pointing you towards the great shepherd. Does that make sense? Okay, because it's all about focusing on Jesus. Amen? And this is the point that John was making. Don't don't look at me. In this world that's obsessed with, with self and looking at individuals, don't look at me. Look at Jesus. Amen? So let's keep our eyes focused on him, and we'll come back to that in a, in, a, in a second a little bit more. But then it goes on to say, folks, if you can put Hebrews 12. One and two, back up, that'd be great. Thank you. Focusing your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith. So that's what I want to talk about, talk about now. What does that mean, that he's our author and perfecter of faith? This is why we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Okay, so we're going to look at the Greek. Again, Look, little Greek lesson this morning. Okay. The Greek word that's used there for, for author is archegos. A-R-C-H-E-G-O-S. I had to look up how they said. Okay, so, But it said archegos. Okay. And what it literally means is the chief leader or prince. The chief leader or, or, or prince, okay? Or, or, or author. So, chief leader, prince, or author. So, what context I want to bring out of this is Jesus is the author. He, everything, everything begins and ends with Jesus, amen? He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, Alpha, and the last letter, Omega, is like in a modern English saying that like Jesus is the A and the Z. Everything starts and ends with Jesus, amen? So Jesus is the author of our faith, the leader the prince. Jesus is the leader of our faith, amen? You know, And we're using this analogy that, that's used here by the writer of Hebrews about we're, we're running a race, amen? So what I kind of want to continue with that analogy is Jesus is our leader on that race. You know, it, I don't know loads about professional running, a little bit maybe, that's <laughs> the stuff I've read, okay? But what I do know is when... Is when is when runners, when they train, then they will have what's called a pace setter. Never heard of that. Well, they have a, a pace setter, and who ha- helps them train, and and kind of gradually, as a trainer, gradually run faster. This person will run with them and gradually run faster and faster and faster in order to improve their uh, improve their fitness and, and their stamina and, and you know technique and all that all that kind of stuff, and have have a pace setter. Um, and often in actual races themselves, often one person who intentionally kind of goes out ahead um, of everybody else. Um, kind of is the pace setter um, for the race. You know, and that's what Jesus wants to be in our lives. As our leader, as the author, is the chief leader in our lives, as we keep our eyes focused on him, he wants to lead your life. Just like a pace setter does in, in a race, this is why we need to keep our eyes focused on him. Because if you've got a pace setter, in a, in a natural analogy, and you're not ever looking at them or listening to them or doing anything that they say, well, you might as well not have the pace setter, right? So this is why we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Because Jesus knows what he's doing, amen? And he wants to lead your life. And he won't, he won't force you to do that, but, this, but he, that's what he wants. He wants to lead by example in your life. He wants you to keep pace, pace with him. Amen? So kind of some questions for you, some challenging questions. Are we, are we following Jesus, our pace set? Are we following him? Are we keeping up with Jesus? Are, are we being obedient to what Jesus is asking us to do? Just like a, a pace setter in a race, someone training a, a, an actual athlete where they'd encourage them or make them, make them change things or change technique or change, change diet or get more sleep or all those kind of things that they have to think about, are we following Jesus? Are we listening to what he's called us to do? If there's things that Jesus wanted to change in our lives, are we listening to him? And, and are we obedient, not just listening, actually put it into practice? Amen. Are we running obediently? You know, and There's a lot, number of things that I th- can think of in my own life where I've had to, had to just, just learn that. Uh, particularly particularly pride and i've mentioned this 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 before particularly pride and pride of thinking that i know best thinking i I know what i'm doing thinking i can do things in my own strength these are huge lessons to learn you know if that if that's you this morning i'm not no one's condemning anybody It's no condemnation those in christ jesus romans 8 says okay but but does god want to do all those things absolutely i'm sorry to break it to you but but that's that's a reality you know, and it may be other things. May be and Maybe there's habits and sins and, and issues in, in your life, and, and they're, holding, they're holding you back. It talks about in Hebrews 12, about the sin that so easily entangles us, and that's what we'll talk about next week. Okay? But, but those kind of things, they do entangle us. They, they hold us back. You remember, right at the very beginning, when we, we did this, um, when we've, the very first week of this series, I got Jack up the front, and Jack was wearing a rucksack, with a load of heavy, if you remember, a load of kind of heavy weights, There's like right back in February, I guess it was. Um, and, and how much how harder it is to run if, like, if you've you got a heavy rucksack on your back. Because that's, that's what sin does. It, it trips us up. It entangles us. It makes it harder, harder to run. It, it holds us back. So are we running obediently in life? Is there stuff that God wants to deal with us in our lives? And you know full well that God has, has, has brought this issue up over and over and over again. But you're not being obedient to it. I'd encourage you to be obedient. Amen. And to get those issues sorted out once and for all. Because Jesus wants to run a bit faster with you. Jesus wants to accomplish some things in your life. Maybe some things that you've never done before. But that's going to mean keeping up with Jesus. And allowing him to lead. Um, and then following his example. Amen. Jesus is the perfect example in everything. I, I love the whole uh, context of the fruit of the spirit. You know, the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Galatians 5.22 says that. And... And What Paul was saying, this is when you when you when you walk a step with the Spirit, when you when you're letting Jesus, when you're following Jesus, this is what your life is going to look like. And it's basically it's just a description of Jesus, isn't it? He's full of love. He's full of joy. He's full of peace. Man, he was patient. He had incredible self-control. He was always kind. He was gentle. You know I mean? it's a description of Jesus, isn't it? The fruit of the Spirit. That's who Jesus was. He just allowed the fruit, that fruit of the Spirit, just to outwork in every every aspect um, of his life. And that's what God wants to do in your life. But are we being obedient? Are we following him as the pace setter? Are we keeping pace with him? Maybe, God, maybe Jesus wants you to run a bit faster this year and to accomplish some new things for him. Let's keep up with Jesus. Amen? Let's not, let's not be sluggish about these things. Let's, let's not ever be lazy Christians. You know, it is possible to be a lazy Christian. I'm just being honest. <laughs> it's possible to be a lazy Christian. I, I've been a lazy Christian in my life, especially when I was a teenager. I was a very lazy Christian. Um, you know, I'd gone to church I my whole life, literally since a baby, so literally my whole life, and I'd become just become a lazy Christian. I, I totally believed, I, I totally believed I was on my way to heaven, and I was on my way to heaven. I was saved, but I just became lazy about it. I didn't, didn't pray, didn't really read the Word, kind of like the social side of church. But that that was kind of as far as far as it went. Totally, as I said, totally still believed, but I was just lazy about it. so Let's never be lazy Christians, because that is possible. I'm not condemning anyone. Again, I don't know what's going on in your world. This is between you and God okay let's let's be intentional about these things amen let's keep pace up with jesus if it's, if you need to get into the word get get into if you're not spending enough time in the word get into the word not not in some legalistic way but let's remember the word of god is there to change your life amen allow god, allow god to change if you're not if you're not praying you need to be praying as a christian we need to pray right it's communicating with god and god wants to communicate back with us and let's be doing that amen let's keep pace with what jesus wants to do in our life, amen so he's the author of our faith how are we going with time Okay, I think. So he's the author of our faith, or the the leader of our faith. And as we focus on him, he's also the perfecter of our faith. Amen. So he's also the perfecter of our faith. Other Greek word for you? The Greek word there is used is teleotas, which is spelled T-E-L-E-I-O-T-E-S. Okay, And it means a perfecter or one who has in his own person raised faith to its perfection and so set before us the highest example of faith. So Jesus is our perfect, as I mentioned a second ago, Jesus is our perfect example. Amen? And he is a perfecter of our faith. So as our pace setter, going back to this race analogy, as our pace setter, Jesus wants to improve our spiritual fitness for our race to be perfected in him over time as we follow his lead. So... What the kind of point I want to bring out of this is that Jesus wants us to mature in Him, Amen. So Jesus wants us to be led by Him and changed by Him, and and, and you know, He's and He is our leader, but He also wants us to mature in Him. I believe that Jesus wants us to run a ma- more mature race. Okay, and this is not this is nothing to do with your age. This is nothing to do with how long you've even been a Christian. What what this is about is about you just becoming more and more like Jesus, Amen. From, for you to learn from your experiences, you Now we've all gone through different stuff in our lives, in our journey with God, and God wants you to learn from those experiences. You know, when it, going back to the kind of a natural analogy of a of a, of a runner, you know, the more experienced the runner is, the more advantages they have, right? The more more races they've run, the more experience they have. They they they've, they've got experience of that. They they learn from their experience. Maybe there was one before where they, they weren't they weren't fully fit. Or, or they tripped up, or, or they got, got an injury, or they didn't pace themselves correctly through, the, through a marathon, or whatever the context may be. So God wants us to learn from those experiences, to mature in him, to run a more mature race, Him to perfect us into, into all that he wants us to be. You know, a huge part of this is having a teachable spirit. Amen? And this is, cha- this is challenging stuff this morning, right? This challenges me just as much as challenging you. You know, so often we can we can kind of like uh, fight against this about having a teachable spirit, but God wants to teach us and change us. So let's just be let's just be open to all that He wants to do. Let's always just be soft, just uh, soft hearted. Amen. And all that what God wants us to do. Amen. We're talking in, in the family church office. we were talking this week about just just dealing with criticism and, and stuff because this one thing as passes always comes up. <laughs> Every now and then it comes up. And we talked about the principle of being soft hearted but thick skinned. This is a great principle. And it's a great thing to learn as a Christian, actually, about being thick skinned. Don't get offended by every little thing, because you'll be constantly offended. We live in a world that gets offended <laughs> by literally anything, don't they? But often this generation, are not being disrespectful, but often this generation is called the snowflake generation. They're just like, they melt at anything. It's like anything is offensive. You say the wrong, You say the wrong word, someone's offended. You look at someone the wrong way, then they're offended and it's it's just it's just crazy (laughs) life is not going to a society is not going to function in that context where everyone's just getting offended by everything we don't we don't have a right to go through. this is a general point but we don't have a right to go through life without being offended i'm a great believer in that you know if we're going to have free speech in a country then someone's going to get offended somewhere every day of the week right it's just reality right but anyway and let's have a teachable spirit Let's let's not get offended let's never get offended by the word of god Sometimes you can read something in the Word and and it it can can kind of hit you like a ton of bricks. Oh, man. Okay. But let's never be offended by the Word. Amen? Let's be thick skinned, that stuff we don't get offended by stuff, but always be soft hearted. Amen? Soft hearted towards God. Amen? So we have a teachable spirit. Not get offended by this little thing and everything. So we're we're, we're thick skinned about stuff, not soft skinned. And we're not getting offended by by people here, there, here, there, here, there, and ever. Even in the church, There's, there's so much opportunity for people to get offended. I'm serious. We'll come, we'll come from totally different backgrounds, some of different nationalities, different backgrounds, different uh, different views, different, I don't know, different, um, I don't know, just different backgrounds, I suppose. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know, different thoughts about how you do things, um, et cetera. And that's great. You know, what an incredible mix a church is. Church is an incredible, incredible thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm serious. It genuinely is, isn't it, because you have a whole mix of people from a whole load of different different backgrounds. And and you know, if you kind of if you look at the person next to you, there's a whole load of people here. Ian, you can't look at anybody. <laughs> 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 Stay there. We'll see. look at Steve. You know, there's a whole load of people that, in any other context outside of church, would we even know each other? Probably not. Would we? I'm serious. How would we? How? What other context would we have even met each other? Probably not. But that's what's just so incredible about church. But in church, you will have the opportunity to get offended. I'm just, just being real with you. You've the opportunity to get offended. But let's be people who are thick-skinned and, and, and have a heart of forgiveness. That's a, whole, that's a whole other message, but have a heart of forgiveness. As Jesus says, 70 times 7, how many times you've got to forgive people? Right? But let's never be offended by the word. Either. Let's have a teachable spirit so we can run a more mature race. Allow the Holy Spirit to change you and, and mold you. Amen? Learn, learn from your past mistakes. Amen? And, and myself and Wendy, we've talked about this now uh, 46, I don't know, That's middle-aged, I don't know, what's middle-aged style, I don't know, about 60, so, so. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know, anyway, and, you know, and I, I think about this stuff a lot, and I think as you, I think as you get, I think as you get older, and the people here are a lot older than me, but the but thing as you get older, I think you start to think more about how you spend your time, I'm just, I think you do, yeah. anyone else this? I don't know. Maybe this is it, and as my kids have got older, I've thought about this a lot a lot more. You kind of think about... i think, Steve, you were talking about this this week, when we were talking about Men's Connect. But you, you think more about the currency of your days. And that you haven't got... not being morbid about these things. <laughs> we're all about to die. Okay, not being morbid in any way, but it's just a reality, isn't it? Yeah. We've got less days than we had yesterday. It's just reality. And to spend those days well... And myself and Wendy, we've talked about this, this, this a lot, and I want to learn... In my own life, I want to learn from, from experience. I want to learn from my own mistakes. I'm kind of at a stage now where... I, I said, Wendy, I don't want to think anything stupid or I don't want to do anything stupid. I don't want to say anything stupid. I'm serious. I don't. And I'm just saying it as a pastor, just as a Christian generally, I don't want to think anything stupid, say anything stupid or do anything stupid. That's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. And I have lots of people who hold me accountable on those things. Including, you know, the pastors who are, above, who are above me hold me accountable and all that. And my wife it keeps me accountable a lot of things as well. That's why I should. I'm not joking. I'm serious on that. Okay. But let's learn from our experiences. Amen? It's allow God to, to change us. If you've made past mistakes, okay, you, you've done. The past is past; it's gone. Deal deal with it with, with God, Amen. But let's learn from those ex- experiences. Maybe there's a the time when you messed up. Let's let's learn from that, Amen. I want to think about King David and how much he must have learned from that. You know, the awful issue that happened with Bathsheba. You know, where he took a married woman and, and slept with her, and a child was born. And then he murdered. Then he murdered her husband. I mean, it's horrendous. But at the same time, Scripture says that David was, was a man after God's own heart. You think, how can re- <laughs> if you, if try and reconcile this in your mind, it's like, God, how are you, I don't understand this, <laughs> this makes no sense. He's like, he's done this crazy, crazy thing, which is which is awful, and then it awful then and it would still be seen as awful now. And you call him a man after God's own heart because David used it as a learning experience. David was so contrite and, you know, I'm sure if you know the story about Nathan the prophet comes to, comes to see him and, it, and and deals deals with him and had some kind of harsh words from God to say, but needed to be harsh to put him right. But, you know, Dave, Dave repented and it was, a, it was a great learning experience for Dave and he didn't make any silly mistakes like that again. So let's, let's learn from our mistakes. Let's learn from our experiences, amen? Let's, let's allow God to mold us and, and perfect us into who he wants us to be. Let's run a more mature race in him. Okay, so he's the author of our faith. He wants, he wants to lead us as our pace set. He's the perfecter of our faith. He wants us to mature in him and run a more a mature race as, as an experienced runner to learn from our experiences. And thirdly, let's keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Verse two, if you can put Hebrews 12 back up, please. There's a Greek word we looked at earlier, and the Amplified kind of explains this well. Verse two, looking away from all that will distract us and focus our eyes on Jesus. So my third point like any sermon, it's got three, three points. Any great sermon, three points. He's the author of our faith, the perfect of our faith. But kind of my third and closing point is let's not be people that get distracted. Let's not get distracted. You no, know, we live in a world that is, is full of distractions. one discovered this? Isn't it funny? In, in this world that we're in, we have so many labor-saving devices now, going back to this, this this thing, it saves us so much time, doesn't it? We, we can Google stuff and then we have you know, microwaves, we have ovens and we have you know, washing machines and tumble dryers and all those kind of things that all are always supposed to save us time. So why is it everyone has less time than they did say 50 years ago? It makes no sense, does it? And I'm sure if you talk to like, my dad or Graham or the older generation, that, that they'll say the same same thing. It just doesn't make sense, does it? It seems that people used to have a lot more leisure time or, or family time. Yet We have all these labor-saving devices. And I, I think a big part of it, I know people work long hours and all that kind of all that kind of stuff, um, and that's part of it, but so often it's because it's just so much stuff to distract us these days. You know, and these, being, <laughs> this <laughs> blessed thing, being one of them. Okay? But there, generally, there are so many things that can distract us, aren't there? So as Christians, I believe we have to be intentional about this. We should actually make a decision to not get distracted. Right? I know, some, I, know, I know someone, there would be someone you know, but I won't, they're not someone who comes to this congregation, but someone you know, so I won't mention them because it would be fair on them. But they, they've, and I haven't gone to this this level, but this is what they felt was right to do. They, they literally have got rid of their smartphone. They're about the same age as me, they're about 30, well, maybe younger, actually, about 35. Um, got young kids, young family, and they've just got rid of—they've got rid of their smartphone. They've just gone back to one of those simple phones, you know, the old Nokia classics. Where you, anything you could do is like play this little snake, <laughs> the snake game, <laughs> and, and text, you know, with the old ABC text, where, where text took about two hours—two hours to send, and you had to press like A three times, uh, number one three times, just to get a C. Anyone know, remember those crazy times? It just seems insane now, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, where text like literally send about two hours, and they never made any sense. Anyway, all it, <laughs> it jumbled up. Anyway. Anyway, it's fun times, but but they they've but you know I'm not saying we necessarily need to go that extreme, but maybe you do. But they intentionally decided it's so much a distraction. They 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 like spent so much time. They admitted this. They were open, bit, and I've talked to them about it. They they spent so much time on YouTube. They thought the easiest time is just, just the easiest way is just to get rid of it. YouTube is a, is a huge issue. I'm serious. Maybe it's not in affect your generation. I don't know, but certainly for certain generations, YouTube is a, is a huge issue. You know, you. You know, it's, it's not possible. It would not be possible if all you ever did was watch YouTube, which would be a pretty boring life, wouldn't it? But if all you ever did was watch YouTube, you cannot possibly watch all the content on YouTube. It's physically impossible, because far more in like the hour you've spent, there'd already like another thousand hours that have been uploaded. You cannot possibly. In fact, you can't even see a tiny percentage of stuff on YouTube. It's not. It's not possible. There's, there's way too, way too much stuff, and it would become a huge, uh, become a huge distraction. So there we go <laughs> you know, And there's so many different things money can be a distraction entertainment generally whether it's youtube or, or, or tv uh, social media as i mentioned earlier even jobs can be a distraction and i know some of us have to work long hours and we, you know the financial situation that we find ourselves in as a country at the moment some of us have no choice but to work long hours and housing's very expensive in this country and all those things are all you know whether you're renting or buying it's very expensive isn't it? Um, that's just a reality of, of you know where things are in britain so sometimes we have to work long hours. But don't allow jobs to become a distraction. Don't allow jobs to take over your life. You know, you know, we we, we work to live. We don't live live to work. And that should be that's to be a principle in the life for everybody, but especially in the life of a Christian. Amen. Don't let jobs take over take over our lives. Amen. You know, even even good things I would say can become distractions. For example, the like demands of family can become a distractions. And of course, we should take responsibility and we're responsible as as, as fathers as mothers etc but even those things could take over our lives if we're not careful couldn't they Uh, we have to be we have we have to be careful um that doesn't doesn't happen are we getting our are we getting our priorities priorities right amen so let's yeah let's make sure we're getting our priorities right and let's keep our eyes focused on on jesus amen you know, in my own family, I'm not saying our family is is, is perfect, it isn't. I mean Jack's here, at least he's having kids and Wendy's out having kids as well. So no, Jack may think differently. I don't know. <laughs> so, I'm not saying our our family is perfect, it certainly isn't, you know, it's not you know, we we all have our challenges and our and, and our issues just like just like just like families do. But we just made the decision, you know, that we will keep our eyes focused on Jesus as a, as a family. You know, we have very honest conversations with our kids about Whether they can play sport on Sundays, as in to miss church, and I said, I said you need to. We talked about this early on with them. Said you need to understand that's just never going to happen. I'm not being horrible or trying to like (laughs) ruin your life. I just want to be a good parent to you, and and you know our central uh, kind of our our central um, goal in life, or focus, focus is better (laughs) worth. We're talking about focus in life is focusing on Jesus. And you know, and Jack loves sport. And we said to him early on, "You're not going to be able to play rugby. You're not going to play cricket. You're not going to play football on Sunday." And they're all at half ten on Sundays. We know about kids' clubs around, and they all play half ten on Sundays. So you need to understand, you're not going to be able to play that. It's just not. It's not going to. Not going to happen. And not in any kind of like horrible derogatory way or um, you know, authoritarian way. But this is just going to be a reality because this is our culture. You know, we very much believe as a family, and this will be true of the church. And I've talked to, about this before about, about culture and the importance of culture. That everything has a culture. A church has a culture. You know, a school has a culture. A workplace has a culture. A family has a culture, and it can either be defined or it can be a default culture. And there's kind of two options there. You can either either just be a, have a culture whether you do nothing about it, whether you do anything about it or not, have a culture anyway. Or you can so that be a default culture, or it can be a very much a defined culture. No, we're going to define this. This is what our culture looks like. We've, we've intentionally myself and Wendy, and all the leaders who are involved in this. We do that as a church. A very defined culture, and you can read about that on our, on our website and our 12 family church values that we believe is, is a church and all those things. That we, uh, we're discipled and we're commissioned and um, you know, all, all that kind of thing. We're, we're others focused and we're honourable to people and all that kind of. We're a generational church and all those kind of things. We have very much a welcoming culture. That's It's very much a defined. You no, know, the things just don't just happen right, even, even just welcoming people, that wouldn't just naturally happen, I would agree, it wouldn't naturally happen, that's happened because a culture has been built here, and Tanya and the host and team are fabulous at carrying this out, that we welcome people, we're welcoming people like, where Jesus is standing and performing the way he would welcome them, that's, that's the way we welcome people, we want people to feel totally, this is family, and totally this is home, so it's intentionally a defined culture, it doesn't just happen by accident, it, it takes work, it takes intentionality um, to do those things, Amen. So everything has a culture, and and even the family, and those of you who've got kids, so I'm not condemning anyone. I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. Remember, we talk about being thick-skinned. Don't be offended, okay? But I'd encourage you in your family to build a culture where Christ is the center. And I know some of you have got unmarried spouses, and I totally understand pastorally the context of that. It's it's, it's not as easy. In fact, it can be quite tricky. I totally get that. Of course course it's easier if both... both the husband and wife or mother and father are saved. Of course, that's easier. It absolutely is. Okay, But I just encourage you uh, to build a culture where, where God is the center. Amen. And, and Jack totally gets it. Jack has been fine with it and does loads, plays loads of stuff for the school and all sorts of stuff. So even the reason for saying all that is even good things can be distractions. Even, even the family demands can be a distraction. If a kid, your child wants to play sport on a Sunday, even that could be a distraction. It could distract you from church and all that God wants for you. So let's keep our eyes focused on Jesus. That's the purpose of saying all that. Amen? Keep our eyes focused on him. Let's not get distracted by by these things, money, by jobs, uh, entertainment, TV. And I'm not saying all those things are bad. You need to ban more from your life or burn your TV or you chuck it in a skip or anything else. You can if you want. <laughs> but you didn't hear that from me, okay? That's been you and God if if you want to do that, Okay? And you don't need to get religious about these things. I can remember the, some of the you know, old days of when, I, when I was a kid, or certainly in my parents' generation, where you know it did become a bit legalistic. And I'm not saying we should go down that route. You know, for so my parents' generation, you weren't allowed to go to cinema under any circumstance. Like a Christian, could not go to cinema. Um, you weren't allowed to watch TV on Sundays. There's some one of my family members. Um, well they used to literally cover the tv up on sundays then i'm from that generation where the tv these bit like a, a blanket over the tv on the sundays you watch it the end of the day but not sunday okay so that, i think that's going down a bit of a religious route that's just my view okay going down a bit of a religious route so i'm not saying we start being religious about this stuff but let's not be distracted and let's keep our eyes focused on jesus let's keep the main thing the main thing amen with jesus at the center of it all praise god So on this race, Jesus wants to be the author of our faith, the perfecter of our faith, and Jesus wants us to not get distracted. So let's allow him to lead in every area of our lives, allow him to be the pace setter in our lives, to to follow his example. Amen? Let's allow him to be the perfecter of our faith, allow allow him to mature us, for the fruit of the Spirit to outwork in our lives. Amen? And to run a mature race in him. Let's learn from our experiences, let's learn from our mistakes. Amen? not make those same mistakes again. And let's not be a people that get distracted let's keep our eyes focused on him as the, as the author and perfect for our faith don't get distracted by all those things around us that will try and distract us they may not even be bad things but they're still trying to take a focus of jesus let's make sure we're spending our time wisely we're spending time with god we're allowing him to grow us and and, and change us and change us amen and let's always remember it's not about self it's not about us it's about him amen and always will be about him and about who he is that we must decrease Anything that's of self, anything of, of our own nature. I know our, our own nature's been dealt with at the cross. Our, uh, our sinful nature's been dealt with. But so often we can still go into that kind of mode. It can't be selfish mode, it's about us. But let's make sure it's, it's not about us. We, we decrease and he increases. Let's all just stand this morning. Praise God. Praise God. thank you God Lord you're so good you are so so good thank you God thank you God thank you Lord. Lord let's pray Lord that we will be a body of people Lord who keeps our eyes focused on you Lord, in this world that is full of full of distractions things that we're trying to distract our time oh God distract our just attention or take our focus off you Lord God, we just choose to be a people, Lord, that, that focus on you. Lord, we'll focus on you as our pace setter, on this race Lord, that we're running, Lord God, that we keep a focus on you. You're ahead of us, Lord, leading us. Lord God, we want to follow you. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, I pray there's anything, Lord, in our own lives, Lord, that needs to decrease. Areas, Lord, where you need to, you need to increase and we need to decrease. Lord, I pray you just deal with those areas. Pray you shine the light of your Holy Spirit into those situations, Lord God. Lord, and they will decrease. but and you will increase. Lord, I pray, Lord, that Lord, as, Lord, will follow you as the author of our faith. Lord, nor too, you will perfect our faith. Lord, I pray we'll run a ma- mature race in you. Help us to learn from our mistakes. Help us to learn from you, Lord God. Help us to run a more mature race in you. Help us to become more like you. Lord, may the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, outwork in our lives. Lord, Lord, change us, guide us, lead us. Lord, do whatever you need to do in us, Lord God. Lord, help us to keep our eyes focused, focused on you. Lord, help us always be looking to you. Lord, in the challenges of life and all those things that we face, Lord, Lord, may we look to you. In this world that can tries to offer so many other solutions, Lord, we know you are the solution. because you are the great shepherd. Lord, you're the only one, Lord, that Lord, can give us love and joy and peace. You're the only, ones that can give us hope, the only one who can give us hope. You're the only one who will never leave us or forsake us. Lord, may we never forget, Lord, these, these realities, Lord oh, God. Thank you, Lord God. Help us just to focus and keep our eyes fixed firmly on you. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. I just want to pray just a second prayer. I just want to give an opportunity for anyone who doesn't yet know God. I just want to give you an opportunity to, to invite God into your life this morning. You can know God this morning. You can know what it is to be a Christian. You can know what it is to be a believer. You can know what it is to have the promise of eternal life when you leave this earth. And, and Jesus, paid 2,000 years ago, paid a very high price for you, the biggest price he could pay by giving his life on a cross so that you could be free, so you could be free from sin, anything you've ever done wrong, so that you could be forgiven, so you could be made new, so that you could have a relationship with God. And if that's you this morning and and you know God's speaking to you, I just encourage you to pray this prayer and to mean it with all of your heart and God will come into your life this morning. We'll start to change you and guide you and, and lead you. You will know the promise of eternal life, your name being written in the Lamb's Book of Life is what the Bible says thank you God let's all just pray this prayer together thank you Jesus for your love for me I invite you now into my life I accept what you did for me on the cross I ask you now to forgive me to cleanse me to make me new I want to live for you I want you to be Lord of my life in Jesus mighty name Amen. If you prayed that prayer, whilst everyone's eyes are closed still, if you prayed that prayer and you've never ever prayed a prayer like that before, maybe you've just gone, kind of, as we're talking this analogy of of running on a track, you've maybe just gone off track and you are a believer, but you just need to get some things sorted with God. You just need to do business with God this morning. So whether you're in either of those categories, i just encourage you to raise your hand and say, yeah, I've prayed that prayer. I want God in my life. I need him in my life. And thank you. Put your hand down. Anybody else this morning? Don't miss your opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, God. You're so good. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you that you are the author and perfecter of our faith. Everything starts with you. Everything ends with you. Lord, may we run this race well. Oh, God, for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.